Chapter One Abroad Thoughts from Home Do you know the Nawab of Patata? asked Ponky, whose surname, though spelt L-A-R-R-E-I-G-H-F-F-R-I-E-B-O-L-L-A-U-X, was pronounced as anyone in his old Etonian social circle, in other words, anyone who mattered, knew, LaRue. No, sorry, said Blotto. He was always ready to admit ignorance, which meant that, given the sieve-like quality of his brain, his life contained a great many such admissions. I can never remember songs, and I'm a real empty revolver when it comes to tunes. Ears made of the finest Cornish tin, I'm afraid. <laughs> We're not on the same page said Ponky. The Nawa Patata was actually one of our fellow muffin toasters at Eton. Oh, we're talking about a bodo, not a song, are we? Yes, surely you remember him. His school trunk was encrusted in diamonds. Not tinkling any tinkerbells, I'm afraid, said Blotto. He was rich beyond the dreams of avarice. Blotto shook his head. Don't know her either. Who? this avarice droplet who does the dreaming. Also, he had dark skin, said Ponky. Such details might have been noticed in the predominantly white Anglo-Saxon environment of Eton before the Great War. But Blotto again shook his fine head of blonde hair. Nothing rattling in the old memory box, I'm afraid. He did play cricket, Ponky offered. Enlightenment spread immediately across Blotto's patrician features. Oh, that Nawab of Patata, he cried, once carried his bat in an unbeaten 102 in the Eton and Harrow match. That's the Johnny, Ponky confirmed. Tiddle my pom. He lay back, lanky, goggle-eyed and chinless, a representative product of the British public school system. Ponky LaRue permanently wore the expression of someone who had just been informed that his great-grandfather was a tadpole. Ah, yes, Blotto continued. I've popped the partridge in the right pigeonhole now. Mind you, I never called him the nitwit of pyjamas or whatever it was you said. No, no, I always called him Fawzy. Fawzy? Why? Because he kept hitting fours. Ah, if he'd kept hitting sixes, Blotto elaborated, I would have called him Sixy. Ponky LaRue nodded at the unarguable logic of this. He thought he could contribute something to the discussion, and if he kept hitting tens, you would have called him Tensy. Good ticket, Blotto agreed readily. Then he was struck by something which a person more versed in the works of Shakespeare would have recognised as a pale cast of thought. Except you can't hit a ten in cricket. No, Ponky conceded. You've pinged the partridge there, Blotters. Blotto, more formally known as Devereux Liminster, younger son of the late Duke of Taster and younger brother of the current one, lay contentedly back on the greensward at the edge of the Taster Towers cricket pitch. It had been a good day. The annual match between the home team and Ponky's occasional line-up called the Peripherals. Most of Ponky's bottles were old muffin toasters from Eton, whose every googly and cover drive Blotto had studied since he first donned long white trousers. Though his own team was made up mostly of Taster Tower's domestic staff, with the chauffeur Corky Froggett as wicketkeeper, 
Blotto, as ever, had led them to victory. His own contribution of an unbeaten total of 213 runs, together with bowling figures of 8 for 43, had obviously helped. But Blotto wasn't the kind to see sport in terms of personal achievement. It was the team effort that meant everything to him. He looked through half-closed eyes, lids reddened by sunlight, at the scene before him, and reflected how fortunate he was to live in the most beautiful countryside in the world. There was a great deal of the world that he hadn't actually seen, but Blotto felt supremely confident that no other vista could hold a candle to the splendours of the Taster Towers estate. It was one of many things that he felt supremely confident about. Such an outlook was just one of the advantages of being born into the British aristocracy.'